All right, please turn in your Bible tonight with me to the book of Colossians in chapter number 4. It has been a little while since we have visited this subject, and I pray that God will help us tonight. I'm probably going to do more teaching tonight than I am preaching, but I pray that uh, the Lord will help us and encourage us and strengthen us in this particular area about the phrase that's used here in the book of Colossians chapter number 4. Depends on how far we get tonight, this may close out this series that I've been preaching on this about the will of God. And I want you to look in chapter 4 and of, of Colossians in chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. The gentleman mentioned here in verse number 12, Epaphras, is also mentioned in chapter number 1. I believe him to be the pastor of this assembly, the way he is described by Paul here. But I don't know that for a fact, but I believe he is. But in verse 12 it says, Epaphras, who is one of you... A servant of Christ. Boy, what a wonderful, wonderful testimony for somebody else to look at you and write about you and say, He is a servant of Christ. Because that is the ultimate compliment somebody can pay you, that you are a servant of Christ. And he says, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect And complete in all the will of God. And the phrase that I want to focus on is that word, in all the will of God. Because the will of God, when you start talking about that subject, it is so broad. I mentioned to you about the fact that the will of God brings satisfaction. Satisfaction because Jesus said, my meat. My meat is to do His will, meaning that it gave Him strength and it gave Him satisfaction. And the more you do the will of God, the stronger you become and the more satisfied in life you become as you do His will. There's no other place in the whole world better than being in the will of God. It's not always the safest place to be, but it will always be the most satisfying place to be. We talked about the scope of God's will. He has an overall plan. Men are not going to hijack His plan. He has an eschatological plan. Uh, He mentioned it in Genesis 3.15. He closes out in Revelation 22 and He will complete His plan. I am on the winning side. I read the end of the book. And uh, the groom is coming back for the bride. And I'm I'm looking forward to meeting the groom, the Lord Jesus Christ. The scale of God's will, we talked about those details, your disposition. You know, you can be in the will of God, Brother Craig, geographically, but be out of the will of God because of your attitude and your disposition. And so you have to work not only at being where you're supposed to be, but being the kind of person God wants you to be while you're doing the will of God. 1 Corinthians 13 makes it very clear that you might be able to understand all mysteries and that you may be able to give more than anybody else. You may have faith to move mountains, but he talked about your disposition. If it's not of charity, if you do not have godly love operating through you, he said, you're a big fat zero as far as God is concerned. It will profit you nothing. Our disposition is so, so critical. And then we talked about tonight, I want to pick up on the subject of the second level. When I mean the second level, I'm talking about that which is unknown, that which is unclear, that it's not written in the word of God and you have 
practiced every principle that you know. And you've tried to figure out what God's will is. But sometimes you just need to learn how to discern the voice of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit when He speaks to your heart outside of the Scriptures. Now, that's a dangerous realm to get into if you haven't yet learned the Word of God. Because there are many voices out there. And if you don't have the Word of God as your GPS, your feelings, and even some of your experiences can deceive you if they violate the Word of God. So, I want you to think about that because it's critical. We're going to look at a progression here of how that God speaks to men's hearts. And, you know, sometimes when you ask God to speak to you, can I ask you to do something? When you ask God to speak to your heart, make sure that He hasn't already spoken. Amen, Brother Roger. Make sure that He hasn't already spoken. You just didn't read the mail. Uh, it's very likely that he has already spoken on that subject to you. You just simply did not read his mail that he sent you. And tonight, I want to be understand that this thing about second level, especially to our young folks, listen, if you've learned to discern the voice of the Lord, God bless you. If you have learned to be led by the Holy Spirit, I praise God for you. You are invaluable. When it comes to the second level, this, this is for only the very sincere and serious believer. This believer has become sensitive to the Holy Spirit, his promptings in submission to the truth that he already knows. You don't have to know all the truth to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you because otherwise you will have graduated and there's nothing else to learn. We are always students. We're always being taught. We're always growing. So the Holy Spirit can take a very young, sincere believer who's walking in all the truth that he knows, and the Holy Spirit can communicate to him and speak to his heart as much as he can to a man who's been in the ministry or walking with God for 40 or 50 years. God is not held and bound by age. He's looking for attitude and sensitivity and obedience to what somebody already knows to be the will of God. So I want you to think about that for just a moment. And when we seek truth in God's will, just remember, you've got to struggle with the fact that it could be your will that you're wanting more than God's will. And you've got, you got to really watch that. Because you can want something real bad and it not be what God wants for you. And sometimes God will let you have what you want and you won't want what you got. And you will learn the lesson from that. That's the way the Lord will work sometimes. He gave Israel sometimes some of the stuff that they wanted, but sent leanness unto their soul. And sometimes even your, you sometimes you think because sometimes you're, you might be a little bit strong-willed and self-willed, you think that you know the mind of the Lord for another brother and you want him to come and join you to do something. But, but he says, no, I don't, uh, I, I don't feel like it's, it's, it's the right time or, or the will of God at this time. Now that happened between Paul and Apollos. He said, I greatly desired for Apollos to come and join me on this adventure. I'm paraphrasing that. The adventure part. He said, I want you to come. I need you to join me. I need you over here. But he said, but he said, nope. 
He said, no, he said, it was not his will at this time to come. He said, I'll come when it's a more convenient time. Now, he wasn't criticizing him. He was just letting us know that sometimes I may want to do something and I want you to join me. Maybe it's got nothing to do with the perfect will of God. It's just, I'd like to have you join up with me on this, but it's not what you want to do and it's not what maybe the Lord wants you to do. And that happens. That does happen. So you can't always please everybody, and sometimes you just got to say no even to your best friends in pursuit of the will of God. Sometimes you have to do that. But most of all tonight, you want to do the Lord's will. Or you wouldn't be here on a Sunday night with your Bibles open in your lap. Some of you, most of you desire to do the will of God. So God has set up some very serious guideposts to keep us safe on this second level. I believe when it comes to the second level, God's will is on a need-to-know basis. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I don't expect you to remember that. But God, it, God sets this up on a need-to-know basis. But I want you to understand that you need to, on the first level part of this, you do not need to be ignorant of what God's will is. God's will is for you to know His will on the level that's in this book. Outside of this book, that second level of where that that other world communicates with you. That is when it's a need to know basis. And it means that God's ability to make it known has varied so much in the past, but it has never varied in this respect. In that God has absolutely no problem communicating His will to mankind. He can do it. And He'll do it sometimes in various ways. We, heard, we understand that Hebrews chapter 1 says that in times past God spoke to men and God revealed Himself to men in various, various ways. And boy, I tell you, you read, the, you read your Old Testament and you'll be scratching your head and said, wow, wow, look at that. And the New Testament as well. But I want you to consider tonight, if you're seeking God's will, it's not in black and white, and you don't know exactly what the next step is for your life in any particular area, and you want God's will. I want you to consider His willingness to communicate to you His willingness over what you may choose to be His method of doing that. He may not choose the method that you think He should, based sometimes on the way you were raised or the kind of church you've been around or the people that you have been influenced by. But God can communicate to you. I want you to think about this. This is what the Old Testament says, how God communicated. For example, Jonah. The Bible simply says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Was it an audible voice? Was it an inward voice? We're not told. It just simply says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God clearly communicated to Jonah what he wanted him to do. Jonah turned and ran the opposite direction. And then the Lord adjusted his attitude, and the word of the Lord came to him the second time. Boy, what a privilege that is when God does that. The Bible says about Abraham, it just simply says the Lord spoke to Abraham. And the Lord appeared to Abraham. Now that's, that's uh, I try to use my holy imagination about that. The Lord appeared to Abraham. A lot of times when, the, when it mentions that the Lord appeared, it would be His representation. It would be 
an angel usually that would make that visit for the Lord. Do you believe in angels? Do you believe that God still uses angels? Are they, what are they for? What were they created for? They were created to worship God and serve God and minister to those who are saved. Most of the time that I can understand in the scriptures that an angel would appear simply to be a man, such as you or I. Moses, can God speak in various ways? A burning bush that would not burn up. A voice came out of that bush and spoke to him. Man, Moses got some very serious different visitations from God. He was allowed to go up on the mountain and the cloud would descend and God would appear to Moses and God even said to talk to him face to face. Moses in the presence of God when he came down off the mountain had to even cover his own face because he glowed so brightly by being in the presence of God. Some wild stuff in the Old Testament. Samuel, there are various angelic visitations and visions and dreams. Whenever a king would need direction... The Bible says usually a prophet from the Lord would appear. A prophet, a man of God would come and have a word from the Lord and their words meant something. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Even a lost man, does God, can God communicate to a lost man? How about Abimelech who was about to put Sarah in his harem And probably sleep with her as his wife. And God warned him in a dream. And said if you touch her. You are a dead man. So God can communicate to us. So that we know. That it's him. That it's his voice speaking to our hearts. I think about Joseph and all the dreams he had. I think about Daniel and all the visions. And boy that angelic visit. It came to him and said, man, we tried to get to you three weeks ago. We heard your prayers. And man, we started on our way to talk to you because heaven likes you a lot. And we, we were on our way and we ran into trouble. And man, there was a prince over Persia. And we had to, do, we had to battle with him. I mean, this is some, really some wild stuff here. Far better than what you can see in some kind of Marvel movie. Bro, this stuff is real. And buddy, they creep, those beings, they were fighting it out. And boy, he had to get a stronger angel to come and help. I think it was Michael, wasn't it, that came and helped him out? Yeah. I mean, these, these, these angels were fighting it out. The prince of Persia was getting in some blows. And Michael said, I'm fixing to jump in the ring and I'm fixing to kick his hiney so that angel can get to Daniel. And it happened. He said, man, I tried to get to you three weeks ago and got in trouble. So sometimes your prayers are delayed because of what's going on in the other world. The answer is delayed because of what's going on in the other world. I serve a supernatural God. I do. He's invisible, but he's not imaginary. And I love him, and I thank God for him. Boy, I tell you, when I read the book of Ezekiel, you can tell I've scratched my head enough to lose most of my hair when I read the book of Ezekiel. There's some wild stuff in the book of Ezekiel. What is that? UFOs he's looking at? I mean, that's some weird stuff he said. Man, I mean, I can't even figure out. I've looked up on YouTube with some guys that have tried to do drawings of those creatures that... Ezekiel, you know, how they thought in their mind what they looked like. And there are various ways that men have drawn these things of what those creatures and those things were. Man, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just know that God communicated with him. That's all I know. And then 
Boom. At the end of the book of Malachi, zip. Nothing. God said nothing. No visions, no dreams, no angelic visitations, no prophets, no word from God for 400 years. That's awful. What a drought. When the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, preachers use that to motivate people to get involved in something and say, we've got to have a vision. But that word vision is not talking about that kind of vision. It's we're talking about a word from God. And when there is no word from God, people perish. We need a word from God. We need God to speak to us on a regular basis. Boy, it helps me, helps my motor keep going when God speaks to my heart. So God uses many and various ways. So when you get to the New Testament, especially the Gospels, when God just kind of burst in on the scene again, you've just got some guys that are serving in the, in the Levitical system by the name Zacharias was one of them. Him and his wife had been trying to have a baby for about 150 years, hadn't been able to do it. I'm being sarcastic there. They were old, unable to have a child. Zacharias is there. It was his lot. It was his time of the day to be there in the temple. And all of a sudden, man, there is a creature from the other world that steps off out of his dimension into our dimension. And tells him, your wife's fixing to have a baby. And this is what this kind of, this is what you're going to name him. And this is what's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was fantastic. As a matter of fact, he came out of that room and couldn't say a word. And the reason he couldn't say a word because he questioned what that angel said. And God zipped him up. And then later on, God opened it back up and he praised the Lord. But God was able to communicate the will of God. And then, of course, we know that an angel visited Mary. We know that when Joseph was struggling with all of this stuff that was going on and he wasn't sure about what the will of God was, concerning Mary, whether she should marry her or not, since now she was pregnant and she's saying that it was a miracle. Now, guys, you've got to sit there and be in Joseph's place. Your fiancé shows up pregnant and she says, yeah, an angel told me that uh, God was going to uh, allow me to supernaturally conceive. And he said, what? And so while he's thinking about the fact that she could be lying, he's thinking about how can he put her away without having her put to death? Or should he marry her? Can God communicate to him who he should marry under those circumstances? What did God do? God gave him a dream. And God spoke to his heart. What I'm trying to get you to see is, don't start looking after a dream. What I'm trying to get you to see is God is willing and capable of communicating to his children when they want his will. When they want to do his will, God is able to communicate his will to us. That is not written down in the Word of God. And I believe Joseph knew the Old Testament. I believe Mary knew the Scriptures. But God communicated to them outside of those Scriptures. I believe those angels confirmed those things with Scriptures, however, from the Old Testament. Because some of the things those angels directed them to do, He said, this is going to fulfill this prophecy. Or this prophecy. So I want you to understand, even when Jesus came on the scene, there was a whole, the Bible says in the last days that God has chosen to spoke to us through His Son. 
How about what Jesus said to one of his disciples? He said, from this point forward, you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. How about that statement? How about demonic activity like it had never been seen before on the face of the earth when Jesus walked this planet? They would cry out and said, we know who thou art, the Holy One of God. Art thou come to torment us before our time? That's a voice from another dimension. Do you understand that? You're not alone. Now, don't get caught up in these weird UFO shows. But you are not alone. We are not alone. And there was a time when God even decided when His Son was being baptized and another time that the very voice of God could be heard like thunder from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. See, every once in a while, God the Father just says, Hey, y'all step aside, angels. I got a word. This is my son and whom I am well pleased. God is fully capable of speaking and speaking to our hearts. And he wants to because he loves us and he cares about us. And so when I read through the scriptures, I'm not reading a make-believe book. I'm reading the most powerful book on planet Earth that talks about another dimension that lives around us that we cannot see into that has its own battles going on. And boy, how about on the Mount of Transfiguration? How about that? The Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus takes His three top guys up there with Him, and, and all of a sudden, men, somebody get, there, 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 are, there are a couple of guys that get beamed down from above. What else can you say? They got beamed down from above. They stepped over out of another dimension there on the mountaintop, and there they are talking to Jesus about the will of God. They're talking about Calvary. That's what they're talking about, Calvary. And then, all of a sudden, they're gone. That's some pretty wild stuff when you actually read your Bible and try to describe it and talk to it. This is not to make-believe. I believe what I read. In God's Word. I don't always understand what I read, or can I, nor can I always explain what I read. But I believe it with all of my heart. And so now, the reason I'm bringing all these things up to you, we would love it if an angel, well, I think we would, if an angel would visit with us. Now, you got some weirdos out there that say that angels visit them all the time, but they walk contrary to the Word of God. So they may have gotten a visitation from the other world, but it wasn't a holy angel. And I'm not joking about that. I'm not denying they did not have experiences. I'm not denying they didn't see some things. I am saying that if they walk contrary to what is written in the Word of God, they did not get it from a holy angel and from the Word of God. Can God still speak to men around the planet by angels? Absolutely. Where there is no Bible? Especially. Can God do that even to us if He needed to? I have no problem believing that, that God could do it. However, it's very possible that you will not know that it's an angel. Because you may entertain an angel unaware. Amen? So he said, be nice. So, be nice to me. You just may not know. And you know I'm joking about that. If I'm an angel, I'm a fallen one, that's for sure. In that respect. But I do want you to understand here about the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, here's going to be the main way I'm going to communicate with you in the future. He said, Brother Bradley, he said, when I leave, 
He said, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost to dwell in you. Now, in the Old Testament, He dwelt upon them, would come and go. In the New Testament, He said, I'm going to send Him. On the day of Pentecost, listen carefully, the Holy Ghost was not prayed down by that group. There is no Pentecostal prayer group that prays down the Holy Ghost. That does not happen. He said, I'm going to send Him. And I'm going to send Him right on time. And He said, on the day of Pentecost, did He come down? Yes. And now, when a, when a person gets born again, the Bible says in Galatians 4, the Holy Ghost is now sent into the heart of that believer. Now, I don't want to talk about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit here. What I want to talk to you is about how that Jesus said, He said He shall be, He said He's with you, but one day will be in you. And He will guide you. Did you hear that word? Guide you. Into what? How much truth? All truth. Aren't we supposed to walk in the truth? Okay, so the Holy Spirit's been sent to guide me into all truth. So the Holy Spirit also then began to work through these men in a supernatural manner because there was no New Testament written. So how would you know that these men were from God? And the reason why you would know these specific group of men were from God, according to Hebrews chapter number 2, is that God was in them and confirming the word through them by wonders and signs. And the purpose of the miracles and the wonders and the signs was to confirm that these men were speaking from the Lord and the things that they were writing were from God. And they were, and this was the purpose of these signs and these wonders and things that occurred with these men. They were, Never compare yourself to these men and say that you are an apostle as they were. You are a liar, sir. One of these days in heaven, we get to heaven, you're going to see the names of the 12 uh, tribes of Israel on that holy city. And you're also going to see the name of the 12 apostles of the Lamb on that city. Those are unique men. They, with Jesus being the chief cornerstone, they were the foundation of the church. As far as I know, there should only be one foundation. Then you begin to build upon that foundation. These men were spoken to. Now watch this. These are some supernatural things that God uses. Now, now listen, you understand I'm taking you on a progression here. Are you following me so far? We're going on a progression on a trip here. So that you might know how to find the will of God and to listen to Him in certain areas of your life. Okay, now turn with me, for example, let me give you some examples of this, if I may. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 8, please. Let's go and jump into the book of Acts. The book of Acts, being rightly divided, you'll find it to be a book of transition. It's not a book of doctrine, it's a book of transition. And more than it's the acts of the apostles, it is the acts of the Holy Spirit through these men. You're listening to a preacher that believes heavily, fervently, in the Holy Spirit. I believe He's real. I believe He lives in my heart. I want to listen to His voice. I want to discern His voice. I want to obey His voice. Look in Acts chapter number 8. Look with me please. And for example, the Bible says, now Here's a man doing what he knows to do, what God has told him to do. He's preaching the gospel. He's obeying the commands of Jesus. Because in verse 25, they're preaching the gospel in many villages in the Samaritans. 
But in verse 26, the Bible says the angel of the Lord. A little bit later, it says the spirit of the Lord. He says that conflict. No, they work together. The angels of God are not ever leading you contrary to the Spirit of God. They work together to do the will of God. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south. How, what did this angel look like? We are not told. Was it just simply a man and he knew it was an angel? We do not know. But we know that he obeyed. And he went down and sure enough, There was somebody there reading a portion, maybe a tract that somebody had written, a portion of Scripture, and then he gets up in there and preaches him to him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 29, the Holy Spirit gets very specific. Has God ever spoken to your heart and said, I want you to go talk to that man? Has the Holy Spirit ever said, I need you to go right over there and leave leave a tract right there? Have you ever done something like that? I remember one time, and frankly, I was in McDonald's, and and, and I'm a very shy guy. I really am. And, and, and when it comes to witnessing, I'm always timid about doing that. I, but if you open the door and you ask me some questions, that's like a floodgate for me. I I'm, I'm, I'm jump in with all four, uh, both feet. <laughs> but I have a hard time breaking the ice. And the Lord said, I want you to leave that man a track. Right over there, give him a track. And so... I scuttlebutted around and argued with that, and I said, "Now nah, I'm going," and, and I left without doing it. I got down the road, and man, my heart was just beating in my chest. And the Lord said, "Why didn't you do what I told you to do?" And I said, "Lord, I'm sorry. Can I go back and do it?" And He said, "Yes, do it." So I turned around and went back, and I said, "Sir," I said, "The Lord told me to give this to you." Now I don't know what happened after that. I'm not responsible for what happened after that, but I left with joy in my heart for just being obedient to it. Now, that doesn't happen every time I see somebody. I'm just saying it happened in that moment. But I'm saying in verse number 29, the Spirit said unto him, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. God was working in somebody's heart. And the Holy Spirit spoke to a servant's heart and said, I don't want you to go talk to him about Jesus. Can God still do that? I believe so. I believe so. When you talk about Saul, who became Paul. What a, what a weird situation occurred, but he's on the road to Damascus, and boy, a light come down from heaven. Did God communicate to him eventually what God wanted him to do? God had no problem doing that, did he? The Lord even spoke to him directly. And then he had another guy come, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I think by the name, <clears throat> excuse me, by the name of Ananias. <clears throat> and he was afraid of Paul. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I want you to go over there and lay hands on him, and I want you to tell him what I want to do. He said, well, why didn't God just tell him? Since he already spoke to him and smote him and all these kind of things and made him blind. Well, maybe God wanted to test the heart of that servant. I don't know all the reasons for that. But that servant went over there and said, all right, I'll do what you say. I don't want to go over there and talk to him, but I'll go over there and do it. He laid hands on him, told him what to do, and then saw Paul became Paul, and he took off in the ministry after that. So for sake of time, understand that as you go through the book of Acts, there's a progression taking place here, and some things are beginning to change. For example, look in chapter 13 with me, please. Collectively, when the Spirit of God speaks to an assembly, 
Usually it's an assembly where people are wanting to do God's will. They're not arguing over the color of the carpet. They're not fighting over different and various things that matter not. They're wanting to serve the Lord and minister to the Lord and to love on each other and to be a blessing one to another. That's the kind of church that the Spirit of God can deal with people and use them and call them out for the ministry. The Bible says in chapter 13, verse 2, and they ministered to the Lord. I mean, just serving God with all your heart. They fastened the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. They fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and they sent them away. And being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. So now you're seeing here a collective group where the Spirit of God speaks to a church collectively in this situation. I love the situation about Apollos. Would you look in chapter 18? Now you're going to see how it's beginning to move toward what happens to us today. Progression and transition. Scriptures are becoming more completed. The church is becoming more stable. You ought to think it's been about 2,000 years down the pike since all this was going on. Amen? Is God still able to communicate 2,000 years later? I believe so. But look in chapter 18. Now you're looking at a man who wants to serve the Lord. Verse number 24, chapter 18, verse number 24. A certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the Scriptures. Here's a man walking in the light that he has based upon the Old Testament Scriptures. Verse 25, this man was instructed. So not only was he following what he knew about the Old Testament... But also, he was a follower of John the Baptist. The man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So when you get past the Old Testament, the only thing he knew about the New Testament was what John the Baptist was preaching. But he was walking in that light that God had given to him, and he wanted to do God's will. Brother Doug, he wanted to serve the Lord. What he did know, man, he was doing it with all of his might. You're going to run across some people who actually might be a little bit more sincere and actually a little bit more spiritual than you are, and yet they may be a little bit more ignorant than you are when it comes to the Bible. You know in your Bible does not make you spiritual. It is you following your Bible that makes you spiritual. You being exposed to the truth does not make you spiritual. You responding to the truth is what makes you spiritual. Here he is. He attends this service and there happened to be just a husband and wife there that loves the Lord, that has been walking in the light, been hanging around Paul and learning some things about this transition and what God is doing from leaving the temple and the Jewish religion to the New Testament church. Big transition. From law to grace, big transition. Verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. So he's one of the speakers in this meeting here. Whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took unto them, him unto them. Who has the boldness to go up to one of the main speakers at a meeting and says, hey, we need to talk to you for a minute. So Apollos is probably saying, well, man, they heard me speak. 
I guess they want either my autograph or they want to talk to me about something I said, and I'm going to help them when we get in this room. They get in the room, and Aquila and Priscilla said, Son, listen, you only think you know what all that you know. We need to help you with this. Now, in order for Apollos to grow, he had to humble himself and realize that there were some people that actually knew more than he did, and he was open and exposing himself to the truth, which required humility on his part, because he wanted to do God's will. If you want to do God's will, and it's not written down in the Scriptures, you have to trust that God has some people that He's lined up in your life to help you make that next step. God does have people that are beyond where you are to help you get a little further. He does. Look what He says. Verse 26. Aquila and Priscilla had heard they took unto him and expounded unto him. Expounded. That's what Jesus did with the Scriptures. The Scriptures is he expounded them unto him the way of God more perfectly. What did he do? Man, he took it. He absorbed it. He changed his direction and his message and became a great asset for the church of God. God spoke to it. Now, this is what I'm trying to tell you. God spoke to his heart in a service where he went to speak to other people's hearts. And God used a couple in that assembly to pull him aside, and God spoke to him. God did not send him an angel. God did not send him a vision. God did not send him a prophet. God sent just a husband and wife who knew the Word of God, and they expounded it to him and said, Son, here's what's happened. You don't have to be no longer a follower of John the Baptist. The Lamb of God has come and been crucified. And now you can be a follower of Jesus Christ. And he became a follower of Jesus Christ. And my point being is, there's a transition taking place here. It's becoming less mystical, less supernatural, more scriptural in finding the will of God for your heart and for your life. Does that make sense? This is what is happening. This is the progression. Sincere believers seeking God's will are like Apollos. They have a submissive spirit wanting to learn. All of us in here should have that. When we go to anywhere and we hear the Word of God being preached, let us not be gullible, but let us be sensitive and submissive to the voice of God. Have you ever been in a service where you thought you had, your, you had everything nailed down on a particular subject and somebody gets up and expounds the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit says, you know He's right. You know He's right. And you're going to have to change some of the things that you believe right here. If, you're going to, if, you're, if you want me to give you more light, you're going to have to receive the light I just gave you. You have to do that. You do. That may happen to you just in your Bible reading. The Spirit of God can do that to you in private. In your studies of the Scriptures, the Lord shows you something and it jumps off the pages and you say, you know, I was wrong about that. I'm going to apologize to some people. I'm going to have to make some things right. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to please you. I want to walk in truth. And so, if you want to know God's will outside the Bible, pray. Lord, thy will be done, not mine. Guide me. Teach me. And whoever you choose to use, Lord, just please guide me and help me. Read your Bible. Study your scriptures. Trust your your, your book. Trust the Word of God. Can you do that? Can you trust the Word of God? 
I, I believe that you can, and I believe that you do. Would you turn with me to Second Peter chapter one, and I'm almost done. Second Peter chapter number one. You're going to run into people out there. I know Brother Lewis runs into this quite often in prison with men who come from various backgrounds and influenced by many false preachers and teachers who are always focusing on the dramatic and the sensational rather than on the simple and the scriptural about the will of God. And our flesh is drawn to that. It is. And so I want you to notice something in Second Peter there. And uh, the Word of God gives us some hope here about some things concerning the Word of God. Second Peter chapter number 1, he talks to them about what he saw on the Mount of Transfiguration. Look at verse 16. He said, We have not followed cunningly devised fables. They had forsaken everything. They had left their jobs. They had followed Christ. He said, Guys, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he said, but you know, we were also, we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. What's he referring to? He's referring to the Mount of Transfiguration. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Peter said, we were there, we heard it, and we saw it. Verse 18, and this voice which came from heaven, we heard. How about that? They heard a voice from heaven when we were with him in the holy mount. But notice what he says then about the Bible. Verse 19 says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well if you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Now that means you want the Word of God to be a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. You're letting the Bible guide you, showing you what to do when things are dark. He says, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart, that you can trust your Bible. Verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. But the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but... But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. He was admonishing them to embrace their Bible and to believe it and to use it as their GPS as they seek the will of God in these matters. So I'm going to encourage you tonight. Paul said that the church would be gifted with men to be able to expound the Scriptures. And he says he's manifested his word through preaching. Many times God is simply going to expose to you the will of God when you hear men take the Bible and open it up and expound it and teach you the Bible. The Spirit of God will take that. He's manifested His Word through preaching and through preaching many times He will reveal to you the will of God and what you need to do and what you shouldn't be doing. That's not the only way, but that's one of the ways. The faith that has once been delivered to the saints is in this book. Now it has to be defended and now it has to be followed. So, if you don't know the will of God, go back to the first level. I said this earlier. Do what you know. Spirit-led decisions will never conflict with truth and holiness and righteousness and goodness or the principles of the Bible. Never. When you say you are led by the Spirit, it will never wreak confusion and carnality. Never. It is the Holy Ghost. 
And as you seek Him, read and study, seek godly counsel. Be patient if it's possible at that moment. Watch providence. God opens doors, God closes doors. When Paul and and Silas were cast into prison, they had to make the best of that situation. When he was cast into prison in Rome, he made the the best of that situation and began to write some of his letters. Sometimes God will hem you up if he does, and you can't go to the right, you can't go to the left, you can't go forward, you can't go backwards, then do the very best you can in the situation that you were in and serve God with all your heart until God tells you otherwise. Have I convinced you that God's able to communicate to you? That God's willing to make His will known to you, not hide it from you? Stay in the way. And above all, let the peace of God rule in your heart concerning these things. I want to close with just a couple of personal illustrations based upon this principle. Let's say, for example, that you were a police officer, a police officer, and you have a particular beat or route. You have an automobile, you have a a cruiser, and let's say this is your city. They gave you this section, not this section, but they gave you this section. Each along here are houses and stores and businesses, and uh, these are streets, these are lanes, and they says, hey, listen... Uh, we're going to train you, we're going to give you a manual. And you have to study this manual, and you've got to pass some tests, and then we'll put a star on your chest after you swear to obey these laws yourself. Okay? So he studies these, this manual, all the laws, all the int- everything in and out about the laws. He takes his test, he passes it, he himself is a law-abiding citizen. I hope you follow this. He's taken, he's taken like, like unto the Word of God. You've put it in application to your own life, you're obeying it, you're doing what you know, and you are a law-abiding Christian. You are a Bible-abiding Christian. And so he's got responsibilities that are printed upon those pages and said, here's what I want you to do. So each day he gets up and he says, okay, it is written in here of what I'm supposed to do. My beat is I'm supposed to go this route, this route, this route, this route. This is what I do on Monday. Here's what I do on Tuesday. Here's what I do on Wednesday. Here's what I do on Thursday. So he does his duty. He doesn't get up in the morning and say, oh, please tell me what to do. He's doing what he knows and has been told. However, occasionally, not every day, but occasionally, a voice comes across the radio. When that voice comes across the radio, it cancels all of his plans. And says, I need you right over here. And I need you now. And so he has to then rearrange his plans and go and do what that voice said that came across the radio for that moment. And when that is completed, he goes back to his duties. He doesn't sit in his car drinking coffee and eating donuts waiting for a voice to come across the radio. You see what I'm saying? He doesn't do that. He says, well, nobody told me to do anything today. He's doing what his manual says. Checking the doors making sure everybody's safe, doing his job until the voice comes across. And every once in a while, you just do what you know. And every once in a while, that voice is going to come across the radio. And the Spirit of God's going to nudge you and guide you. And if there's an emergency that occurs with that police officer, sometimes he has to, he has to get on the radio. Say, I don't know what to do right here. 
tell me what to do right here. And so whoever's on the other line is going to get him some help and say, here's what we want you to do. This is the way God works. Don't be one of those cops that sits in the car drinking coffee and eating donuts all day waiting for the radio to speak to you when, it's, when the book has already spoken to you about your duties. As a believer, do your duties. Wait on the voice. That's not, and that voice is not going to come usually every day, every week, every month. There are going to be critical situations that that voice comes. You understand? If you get hooked on that voice, there are going to be other voices coming your way. That's what's going to happen. Because you're hooked on the voices, not the book. For Cindy and I personally, when we got saved and born again, started serving the Lord, we sold everything, we burned everything. Excuse me, we, I'm using that as a biblical illustration. We kind of took our plows, and we, we, we burned them, and we turned everything, and we started serving God, didn't look back. We put ourselves in exposure to the will of God to guide us. I mentioned a testimony a few weeks ago how that I had to stumble through that first stage to try to figure out some things, and then God just said, "Go get in that church, submit yourself, and do what you're supposed to do until you hear from me. So I did. Then I heard from him. A couple of years later, I heard from him. So when I, after I resigned the first church, I pastored for two years up in the country. And the Lord taught me a lot of things there, how to trust him. And I prayed things in and just trust him. But when we left that, that church, we had nowhere to go. And so we had to pray for some money. We had to pray for her. She was pregnant with Rebecca. We had no money. I'd given all that up when we left the job. And I said, Lord, we need, we need four or $500 just to get to the hospital for this baby. So I go to a meeting. And a man comes up to me in the night service and hands me an envelope. And in the envelope was $500. We had told no one except God. And God was just confirming to me, son, I hear you. I care about you. I love you. I'll take care of you. You just keep pursuing after me. But when we left that church and, we, and, and somebody opened the door for us, gave us a beautiful house to rent for, a, can you believe, $150 a month, a three-bedroom brick house? Now, that was about a century ago, though. <laughs> but $150 a month was still cheap back. I mean, that was cheap. But they let us have it because they knew we were seeking the Lord's will. So we just had a baby. I have no job. I'm, I'm trying to find anything I can find to do, and I can't go to the right hand or the left hand. I mean, nothing. We were praying our grocers in. We were praying our light bill in. We were praying our rent in, and God was sending it in various ways. But we were seeking God's will for the next move. And I'm reading the manual. I'm studying the manual, and I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do? And so we had to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. Five months later, five months later, We're seeking the Lord's will with all of our heart. My in-laws, God rest their soul, were thinking their daughter had married this lazy bum that wouldn't take care of their pregnant daughter because I had left a good job, a new house, and here I am saying I'm sitting up here waiting on God's will. Didn't look good from the outside. Waiting on God. God, you know, there's some reproach to doing the will of God. Did you know that sometimes? There's some reproach you bear. Lord, what do you want me to do? 
Five months later, two preachers, my pastor and another guy, said, why don't you go with us to a camp meeting in South Louisiana, Florine, Louisiana. And I, and I really didn't want to because Cindy, we, somebody just given us a whole bunch of peas to shell, and she's got three babies. You understand what I'm saying? Three babies. I'm talking about three little ones. I didn't feel right about leaving her. But the Lord said, I want you to go. And she was very gracious about it. I went in this meeting in Florida, Louisiana, complete strangers. Everybody's a stranger except for the preachers I came with. The guy that's running the show, not the show, the camp meeting. I'm sorry. I don't mean to say that. The camp meetings are not. They can be, but that one wasn't. He said, there's any young preachers out here that's going to be leaving this afternoon that are going to be here tonight? And I raised my hand. About five others did. He looked at me and said, I want you to come up here and preach. He didn't even know me. So I get up there and I preach the best I can. As soon as I get through preaching, these two older guys walk up to me. And one of them hands me his credit card. And he says, we want you to come down to Franklin, Louisiana, in view of a call of pastoring our church. I said, really? And so I didn't say yes, I didn't say no, but I went home with those preachers and I've got my head against the window and I'm talking to God and I said, God, what do you want me to do? And then came that still small voice that I've learned to listen to. He said, you're going to South Louisiana. That's where you're going. Now you're talking about a country boy that's never been out of the county and God is sending me to another state. That's a foreign land, South Louisiana. And 30 days later, we're living in South Louisiana for 14 years, serving the Lord, doing the will of God. We're happy as a lark, and I'm minding my own business. I'm, doing, I'm reading the manual. I'm studying the manual. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, minding my own business. And then the voice comes across the radio. And, and one night, brother, I'm, this is 14 years later, I'm minding my own business, and... My wife and my kids now, they're, they're getting older now. They're teenagers. Matter of fact, April and Crystal were fixing to graduate from high school. And the Lord speaks to my heart. We're fixing to go to youth camp up in Alabama. We're getting a van ready to go. We're fixing to drive that night because it was cooler. And God says, on, on my way up there while they're sleeping, God says, I want you to resign when you, when you get back. I said, nah, that's, that's static on the radio. That ain't the voice of the Lord. <laughs> And so I said, can't be. I wasn't discouraged. You know, it wasn't, that wasn't my motive. I, was, thought, we'd, I thought we would actually live and die there. We'd invested everything we had into that ministry with all our hearts. Those people loved us and we loved them. On the way up there, just kept that gnawing at me about the will of God, about what to do. And I said, I kept fighting and pushing it back. I said, no. Matter of fact, I turned the volume down on it. So we get up there to camp. We're having a great time. Nathan's just a little boy. He jumps in the pool there at camp with the other boys, and he gets in trouble in the water. So, man, I jump in there, and I pull him out of there, and he's, you know, and all that. And then when I got him out on the side, the Lord said, uh, Are you listening to me, son? 
That's what he spoke, that, that still small voice. Said, are, you, are you listening to me? I said, yes, Lord, I am. He said, okay. So on my way back up to camp, up to the campgrounds, I, I knelt on my knees in that gravel and I cried. I said, God, I surrender. Whatever you want, I'll do it. He said, I want, you to, I want you to yield to me and I want you to tell those people you're going to resign when you get home. It's breaking my heart. And I said, okay, Lord, I will. After I did that, went about my business. It was either the next day or two days later at camp, Brother Danny Farley was pastor of this church. He called all over the country trying to find me. I don't know how he found me at that camp, but he was on the phone. And he said, Brother Roger, I've been praying for two years about leaving here and going to Shady Acres. Would you consider coming to this church to pastor? I said, Brother, if you'd asked me a week ago, I'd have said no. But as of two days ago, I have to say yes. And 30 days later, we were here over 27 and a half years ago. Now, I haven't heard that radio voice since. And I'm hoping I won't hear it until it's the trumpet. You feel what I'm saying? But it doesn't happen very often. But when I got here, I got back to doing the manual business. You you understand what I'm saying? But then there are other people in my life who listen to that same voice. When my wife was sickly, and we we sent her to a, 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 a fasting clinic in Ohio for about 30 days, we needed about $2,500. I told no one. I was working on an old boat that I had, Brother Lauren. I was kneeling down in that boat, and I said, God, I could talk to my men. They love me. They will help me if I ask them. I said, but God, you're my father. I'm asking you. Help me. Help my wife. Now listen to me. I'm telling you. God was already answering the prayer. That was about 3 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. By about 5 o'clock, April comes in from working, and she hands me a card. And it was a thank you card for giving someone some counsel, some advice, and praying with them. And that man's wife said, hey, I think we need to give this preacher $2,500. Somebody on the other side was listening. It wasn't just me. Somebody else was listening. You follow what I'm saying? There's some other people out there that are listening to that radio. Are you one of them? If you want to be on the second level, it's not going to be every day. But when it does happen, it's wonderful. When you know it's the Lord's voice. But you've got to get to that first level. Do what you know. Some of you kids, you want to jump to the second level. That's where you want to live. You don't want to go to the first level. You want to be that police officer that says, here I am, sign me up, give me my car. I'm ready to go. But you're not ready. You'll be more of a danger than you would a help. And when you get in the work of God until you're ready, God can't trust you with other people. You'll hurt them. You've got to learn that manual, then learn to listen to that voice. And when God speaks to your heart about helping somebody, ministering to somebody, that ain't the devil telling you to do right, be good, to give and serve and be a blessing. That's not the devil. He hates goodness and righteousness and blessings. But learn to listen to his voice. And most of it's right there in that book. Okay? Let's stand together, please.